Let's open our Bibles now to Numbers, the book of Numbers, chapter 25, first of all, and then we'll also read Mark 14, 53 to 72. But we begin with the book of Numbers, Numbers 25. And there we read the word of God as follows. While Israel lived in Shittim, the people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. These invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel yoked himself to Baal of Peor. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, Take all the chiefs of the people and hang them in the sun before the Lord, that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. And Moses said to the judges of Israel, Each of you kill those of his men who have yoked themselves to Baal of Peor. And behold, one of the people of Israel came and brought a Midianite woman to, to his family in the sight of Moses and in the sight of the whole congregation of the people of Israel while they were weeping in the entrance of the tent of meeting. And when Phinehas saw the son of Eliezer, when Phinehas the son of Eliezer, son of Aaron the priest, saw it, he rose and left the congregation and took a spear in his hand and went after the man of Israel into the chamber and pierced both of them, the man of Israel and the woman, through her belly. Thus the plague on the people of Israel was stopped. Nevertheless, those who died by the plague were 24,000. And the Lord said to Moses, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, the priest, has turned back my wrath from the people of Israel, in that he was jealous with my jealousy among them, so that I did not consume the people of Israel in my jealousy. Therefore say, Behold, I give to him my covenant of peace, and it shall be to him and to his descendants after him the covenant of a perpetual priesthood, because he was jealous for his God and made atonement for the people of Israel. The name of the slain man of Israel who was killed with the Midianite woman was Zimri, the son of Salu, chief of a father's house belonging to the Simeonites. And the name of the Midianite woman who was killed was Cosby, the daughter of Zer, who was a tribal, the tribal head of, the fathers, of a father's house in Midian. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Harass the Midianites and strike them down, for they have harassed you with their wiles, with which they beguiled you in the matter of Peor and in the matter of Cosby, the daughter of the chief of Midian, their sister, who was killed on the day of the plague on account of Peor. So far... From the book of Numbers, let's now turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14. Mark 14, and there we read, beginning at verse 53 to the end of the chapter. And they led Jesus to the high priest. And all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes came together. And Peter had followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the guards and warming warming himself at the fire. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they found none. For many bore false witness against him, but their testimony did not agree. And some stood up and bore false witness against him, saying, 
We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another not made with hands. Yet even about this their testimony did not agree. And the high priest stood, in the midst, stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But he remained silent and made no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his garments and said, What further witness do we need? You've heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? And they all condemned him as deserving death. And some began to spit on him and to cover his face and to strike him, saying, Prophesy. And the guards received him with blows. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with the Nazarite, Nazarene Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway and the rooster crowed. And the servant girls saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. But again he denied it. And after a little while the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time, and Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. So far the word of God. Let's respond to the reading of Holy Scripture by seeing Psalm 106, stanzas 1, 3, 13, 14, and 22. We'll do so standing. This afternoon I proclaim to you the word of God as we confess that in Lord's Day 36 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 36, page 553, Book of Praise. And there we confess the following, what is required in the third commandment. And that is the one then, do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. We are not to blaspheme or to abuse the name of God by cursing, perjury, or unnecessary oaths, nor to share in such horrible sins by being silent bystanders. Rather, we must use the holy name of God only with fear and reverence so that we may rightly confess him, call upon him, and praise him in all our words and works. Is the blaspheming of God's name by swearing and cursing such a grievous sin that God is angry also with those who do not prevent and forbid it as much as they can? Certainly, for no sin is greater or provokes God's wrath more than the blaspheming of his name. That is why he commanded it to be punished with death. So far, our confession. Brothers and sisters in the Lord and boys and girls who belong to him then, our God is really sensitive about his name. Because as it says in the second answer of Lord's Day 36, no sin is greater or provokes God's wrath more than the blaspheming of his name. And that's because the 
third commandment isn't about doing something for God, like the second commandment, how we worship him, or the, the fourth commandment, how we, how we rest on his day. No, in this commandment, we have to do with the Lord God himself, his name, his reputation, his honor. Of course, sin against the other commandments is sin against God too, but with sin against the third commandment, we touch God personally. We step on his heart. We can step on his heart, so to speak. Think of when someone says, I can handle it if someone criticizes my words or actions, but when they attack my character, then it becomes deep and personal, right? Why is that? Well, in Bible times, there was usually a a close connection between a name and, and the person who bore that name. Even today, a name is a pretty personal thing. It can bug us if somebody pronounces our name wrong, especially us with a lot of, many of us with Dutch background. It can be hard for others to pronounce your name. And, and it bugs us because our name is who we are. It's our identity. It's our individuality. It's our worth, even. And if that's the case with us, how much more with God himself? Would it upset God if somebody would misuse his name? The name by which he has made himself known to mankind. The name that expresses the reputation that he has garnered for himself through all his works over time. His name tells us who he is. It proclaims his great deeds. His name is all about our creation and our salvation. His name is love, grace, righteousness, and peace. His name expresses, and we confess this in Article 1 of the Belgian Confession then, that he is eternal, incomprehensible, invisible, immutable, infinite, almighty, perfectly wise, just, good, and the overflowing fountain of all good. That's his name. God is all that and more. And so we need to be deeply careful and respectful when we take his name on our lips. Even when we read his word, what we do with his word. And the wonderful thing is that God gave us his name so that we can speak to him and so that we can speak about him to others. God wants us to use his name. In fact, he commanded the priests in Israel in Numbers 6 to to lay his name on the covenant people with the blessing we hear every Sunday. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And he said then, when he gave that command to say, speak that blessing, he said, lay my name on my people. In fact, God connected his name to us by having us baptized into his triune name. So he wants us to use his name so that we can continually recall his great deeds and so that his praise may always be in our hearts and on our lips so that we can lift up our voices to him with prayer and petition. In fact, he wants us to be zealous to reverently express his name in a world that more and more ignores and or misuses that name, speaks that name thoughtlessly, even like an exclamation. You know, the letters OMG are used that way in social media. 
But God wants us to be zealous for his name. Zealous for the honor and respect his name deserves. Jealous of his name. And with that in mind, I proclaim to you the third commandment with this theme and these points. The third commandment calls us to be jealous for God's name. First of all, the the punishment for dishonoring God's name. Secondly, the sin of neutrality toward God's name. And the third, in the third place, the call to zeal for God's name. So first of all, the punishment for dishonoring God's name. Congregation, we read Numbers 25. About that sin of the people of Israel at Peor, Peor, Baal Peor. In order to understand how serious that sin was, we have to go back a couple of chapters, actually. Israel was on the way to the promised land. And they had to set up camp in the plains of Moab. And not long before, they had defeated Og, king of Bashan, ruler of the Amorites. Or better yet, the Lord had given Og and his forces into the hands of the Israelites. And it's no wonder then that Balak, king of the Moabites, became afraid when the Israelites set up near his territory. And he realized he wasn't going to be able to defeat the Israelites in battle and their mighty God the God who supported them. So what he did was he hired Balaam, the diviner, to come and lay a curse on the people of Israel. But instead of the, you know, as instead of cursing the Israelites, he ended up blessing them. He said wonderful things about Israel's future because the Lord was with them. And even under God's control, he prophesied the coming of the Messiah. Numbers 24, verse 17, a star shall come out of Jacob, a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and it shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheth. That's not what Balak wanted to hear. The thing was, the Lord fought for his people Israel. They they were connected to the Almighty God. His name had been laid on them. They were his people. So they must have felt very powerful there on the plains of Moab, also after they heard about Baal's words about them. And yet, congregation, they did the unthinkable. They joined themselves to another name. They yoked themselves, as it says in Numbers 25 or 3, to Baal of Peor. They were invited by the women of Moab to take part in the frenzied, sexually charged worship connected with the god Baal, and, and worshiping the dead. And, and those Israelites, they went. They forsook the name of the God who had led them out of Egypt, who had freed them from slavery and the might of Pharaoh's army, who had fed them with bread and meat from heaven, who gave them water from the rock, who gave them a great victory over their enemies, and they went after Baal of Peor. And you see how foolish we, we can be too as God's people. The host of heaven can sometimes stand amazed at our foolishness, how easily we can be drawn away from that good and gracious name of our God and Savior. This applies to us too, congregation. We can so easily disengage ourselves from the one true God who has shown himself to be so mighty and gracious to us in Christ his Son. And then in our hearts too, we can yoke ourselves with what are really not gods at all. We so easily forget that today, too, that God has laid his great and glorious name on us. 
And then we can act and speak as if we're not yoked to our God, the God of all grace. And then we misuse his name also by not confessing or praising that name before others when we should and we could. While the people of Israel disengaged themselves from the name of the Lord, their God, like a truck, a trailer is disengaged from a truck. And they yoked themselves to another name, to that of Baal of Peor. And then it says, Numbers 25, verse 3, the anger of the Lord was roused against Israel. The Lord God was furious because, as we confess in Lord's Day 36, no sin is greater or provokes God's wrath more than the blaspheming of his name. And that's why he commanded it to be punished with death. And no wonder. He does everything possible for his people out of love for them. And then they run after other things which are no gods. Which cannot give salvation and life and the peace which is promised by God. And then he's especially upset because the glory of his name is disrespected, taken in vain. His name is thrown in the mud, so to speak. And that's why the Lord said to Moses, Numbers 25, verse 4, take the, all the chiefs of the people and hang them in the sun before the Lord, that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. The death sentence. And laid on the chiefs. Congregation, our Lord Jesus Christ experienced what it means that blasphemy deserves a death penalty. You read about that in Mark 14. He was sentenced to death by the leaders of the people for blasphemy. Our Savior was put to death, hung on a cross in the sun before God, after being condemned for blasphemy by his people. He was to be hung there in the sun. But as it says in Isaiah 53, verse 5, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities there. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. Healed by what he suffered. Healed from every blasphemy, every word or deed by which we profaned his name, every time when our God did not receive praise from us, when the time and the opportunity were there, every time we enjoyed things without giving thanks to his name, every time when we should have spoken up for God's name, but we remained silent, all the songs of praise we didn't sing. And that brings us to the the second part of the sermon this afternoon, the sin of neutrality towards God's name. Notice the second question of Lord's Day 36. It's a question, but it says a lot. Is the blaspheming of God's name by swearing and cursing such a grievous sin that God is angry also with those who do not prevent and forbid it as much as they can? And this question is then also, you could say this question is an assertion that God is very upset with those who stay silent when they should speak up for God's name. Those who try to be neutral when God's name is taken in vain by others. That anger of God at neutrality is also shown in Numbers 25. You remember that Moses was given the command by God to put to death the chiefs of Israel who permitted, who even encouraged the people to commit harlotry with the women of Moab, sexual immorality. 
and to bow down to their gods. Moses was supposed to hang those chiefs in the sun so that the anger of the Lord might be turned away from the nation of Israel. And so it says in verse 5 that Moses said to the judges of Israel, each of you kill those of his men who have yoked themselves to Baal of Peor. That was a difficult, but it was a necessary command. The honor of God's name was at stake there. The thing is, though, we read nowhere that this command was carried out. It appears that neither Moses nor the judges of Israel carried through on that capital punishment for those chiefs of Israel, the the tribes of Israel. Maybe they felt that it was too severe. However, that meant that the Lord's anger was not turned away from Israel. But it remained, his anger remained on the whole nation. So then the Lord God himself punished the whole people. Instead of only those chiefs who were involved directly being put to death, what happens is 24,000 of the people died of some sort of plague. The Lord's anger is only turned away and the plague is only stopped when Phineas, the priest, takes a javelin, a spear, and kills the leader of the people who blatantly took a Moabite woman into, into the tent for sexual relations in the sight of all the people. Maybe he was just trying to be rebellious. At that time, he was also related to one of the chiefs in Israel. And he was upset, so he took this woman into the tent and had sexual relations in the sight of the people. The thing is, congregation, Moses and the judges were apparently quite disturbed by the Lord's command to kill some of the leaders of the people. There was uncertainty about it. Should we do this? Maybe they were even relatives of those those leaders, those chiefs. Whatever the case, Moses and those 70 judges of Israel decided not to obey the order to hang the chiefs in the sun. Refused to forbid and prevent the blaspheming of God's name when they could, and they should have. As we confess in the second question of Lord's Day 36, they tried to stay a bit neutral here. They didn't step up when they should have. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, it's bad enough when unbelievers take God's name in vain by cursing and swearing. And we hear that on a regular basis. You hear that on television, in, in movies and so on. But when, when believers who know that goodness of God, who have tasted his grace, who have experienced the riches of his promises, when they stay silent in the face of the dishonoring and blaspheming of his name, if they take no action, they, they try to stay neutral, then God is really and truly Upset. The Lord our God can't stand it if we don't do what we can to prevent his name from being thrown in the mud. This is about the honor of all, our almighty and holy God who has laid his name on us. We offend him deeply if we stay silent instead of taking a stand in regards to, to his glory, his name, his deeds, his works. You know, we can easily think, that we never take God's name in vain. Oh, I would never do that. 
this commandment really doesn't apply to me that much. We can think that. But congregation, are we really that jealous for the name of the Lord that we can't stand it when others around us put that name down, use it as an exclamation, or when they make fun of his word or undermine his word? In the Old Testament, especially in the Psalms, you have those harsh-sounding statements sometimes. At the end of Psalm 139, beautiful psalm about life, how God watches over us and gives life. And at the end of that psalm, you have that harsh-sounding statement. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. And you see, David can't stand it that people ignore the almighty and holy God and speak against him and take his name in vain. So David isn't neutral when, when that happens. No, he's, he's filled with jealousy for the name of God and zeal for the glory of God's name. How much more shouldn't we be zealous for for God's name today, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, in the world we live in today. For we know the full glory of that name as it has been manifested in Jesus Christ. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. How could people then demean his name? Belittle his reputation? Depreciate his great deeds? That should fill us with holy anger too. So that we can't stand to read books or watch shows or that, that do that or associate with people who, who do that or belong to groups which do that. God has joined himself to us. He has laid his name on us at our baptism. He lays his name on us every Sunday with that Aaronic blessing. So we can't be neutral. He wants us to confess and praise his name. And knowing all that, that name includes, you would be jealous for that name, wouldn't you? We come to the last point of the sermon, the call to zeal for God's name. Congregation, back to Numbers 25. Moses and the judges of Israel chose not to act on the Lord's command to hang, up the, hang those chiefs of the people. The Lord had channeled his anger at those chiefs those leaders. But when Moses and the judges did not act, it's then that the Lord gives free reign to his wrath. And he sends that plague. And 24,000 people in the camp died of a plague. Imagine if that happened today. 24,000 people. There would be headlines in the paper and the news. 24,000 people. And even then, it's as if the seriousness of God's anger still doesn't dawn on some of the people there. For while the people are dying of the plague, one of the leaders of the people named Zimri took a Midianite woman and walked right past all the people weeping at the tabernacle of the Lord and committed sexual sin with her in the sight of the people. Not clear exactly where that sin took place, whether in the tent of the Lord or the man's own tent. But it was in the sight of the people. Zimri was having sexual relations with that woman. 
And that there's something that related to the worship of Baal, the god of fertility. And that was done in brazen contempt for God's holy name. But when Phineas, grandson of the high priest Aaron, saw what was happening, he couldn't take that anymore. That contempt for God's name. And he was filled with zeal for God's name. And he rose from among the people and he took a, a spear, a javelin. And he drove it right through the body of Zimri and the Midianite woman. And when Phineas did that, apparently, suddenly the plague stopped. That stopped spreading among the people. The Lord's wrath was averted. The Lord says, verse 11 of Numbers 25, Phineas, the son of Eliezer, son of Aaron, the priest, has turned back my wrath from the people of Israel in that he was jealous with my jealousy among them. The Lord is jealous for his name. Phineas was jealous too for the Lord's name. Notice how he speaks of Phineas then being jealous with the Lord's jealousy in, in actual fact. In other words, Phineas was zealous for God's name. He couldn't stand it that the Lord, he couldn't stand what the Lord couldn't stand, namely the total disrespect that Zimri and the Israelites had shown towards his name, that name which he had laid on them as his people. And notice, congregation too, how the Lord values Phineas and what he did. He says, verse 12, Behold, I give to him my covenant of peace, and it shall be to him and his descendants after him the covenant of a perpetual priesthood, because he was jealous for his God and made atonement for the people of Israel. A perpetual priesthood. Priests forever in his generations. A promise which actually became reality with Jesus Christ, who was zealous in all things for the name of his Father in heaven. So when the, the high priest Caiaphas, a descendant of Phineas, sadly, asked him in Mark 14, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? Then he said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. He confessed the truth. He upheld God's name. But that confession cost him his life. And so he made atonement for us so that we could have God's name laid on us. And so in the line of Phineas, Jesus was zealous for God's name. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, God himself is jealous for his name, his honor, and rep his reputation. But we as his children now have the, the task and the duty to uphold and to praise God's name wherever we live and work and so on. It calls us to be jealous and zealous for his name as, as Phineas was, even as Christ was. And we show that zeal in the first place by using the holy name of God ourselves only with deep respect and reverence so that we rightly confess him, call upon him, and praise him in all our words and works, as the catechism says. God has laid his name on us. If we know from God's word what that name all includes, his glorious deeds, his love and grace in Christ, 
would that not bring us to the deepest respect and reverence and love for that name of God? So that we open the word and read it with reverence, not just in between something, but with reverence, so that we speak it with reverence. The more we know God's marvelous works from the Bible, the more we'll also want to confess and praise that name in all our words and works and with reverence. Congregation, if we accept the grace that there is in God's name, then we should be zealous for that name, right? We all fall short of that, sadly, for, don't we, if we, have, if we examine our lives. Does God always get the praise from us all the time? Is my heart always lifted up to his glory, to glorify him? And, congregation, we so easily say things we shouldn't say when we should. We, we, we say things we shouldn't, and we say nothing when we should speak. Think of what was happening there at the high priest's house as Jesus was being condemned for blasphemy. The apostle Peter was sitting there. And he was warming his hands at the fire. And when he was asked if he was one of Jesus' followers, he said, nah, not at all. I have nothing to do with that man. He said it twice. And the third time, they really pushed him on it. And he began to even curse and swear. Swear to God, I do not know this man. And then the rooster crowed the second time. And Peter realized in his denial, he had blasphemed the name of God. And he went out and wept bitterly. But Peter found forgiveness with that same Savior whom he had denied and so later he could write in 1 Peter 4 verse 14, If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Clearly Peter had learned. He was afraid before. But now he encourages us to stand up for God's name and for the name of Christ. He says, it doesn't matter if people are upset with you for being zealous for the name of God, for promoting the name of God and of his son, Jesus Christ, at your workplace or at school, the college. It has twofold benefit. Even if they make fun of you, you're blessed with the spirit and God's name is glorified. So let's not be afraid or ashamed to confess God's name wherever we are, congregation, to be Jealous and zealous for God before everyone. Because it's win-win. Glorify, it's glorifying to God. And it's spiritually good for us. Amen.